0: Today, 2nd uh, Advent in uh, December here for the Christmas season, we are looking at Genesis, the 3rd chapter. This is our text. Now, Genesis, the 3rd chapter, is about the, recounting the fall of mankind. Now, God, you know, uh, and Genesis, very broadly, just points the fact out that God created the heavens and the earth. Exactly how it all happened is of little concern People argue about the stupidest things on earth. But uh, we know that God did it. And we know that whenever he did something, he would say, it is good, right? It is good. He would let there be, it was good, and this and the earth, and the animals, and this is good. And then he finally makes a man and goes, this is not good. And uh, we need, <laughs> this boy needs some help. <laughs> so he makes a woman and uh, brings, him to, brings her to him. And what was intended to be a great blessing <laughs> turns into a bit of a curse. God bless their pea hearts. Where uh, Eve goes off and gets just chatterboxy with the serpent and decides, oh, gee, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if we tried this out. And deliberately rebelled against God. And his, her nitwit husband right along with her. And, uh, and then this created the separation between God and man. And God comes in. And he deals with them pretty severely because of what they'd done. And He came and told them about their consequences. And one of the things that he said to the serpent who was involved in this fall, we read about in Genesis, the third chapter, verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and yours. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The very first indication, right from the very beginning, even when God was disciplining, and punishing mankind, he left out hope. And he let him know right from the very beginning there was a day coming that an offspring from a woman would crush the head of the serpent. It was the first indication of the Messiah that was to come, the Savior that was to come, the Redeemer, our hero, if you will, to save us in our situation. Now, since the beginning, mankind was given this promise. This desire for a hero, one that against all odds would bring victory, freedom, and safety to all. This sense and this desire, this longing for a hero, a redeemer, is absolutely hardwired in all of mankind. And we see this desire show out in many, many ways. Uh, Obviously, in the Bible, our favorite accounts in the Bible are about those heroes, these guys who rise to face the impossible, To bring liberty and success to others. We love these success stories. Why? There's something in every one of us that is wired for this idea of a redeemer, a savior. Uh, We look early in the Bible, the stories like the story of Joseph. We read read where Joseph uh, was one of many brothers. And those brothers are often given to, they irritate each other. (laughs) These brothers got really ticked at him. Got a little severe, and they sold him off into slavery. Uh, not a good day for Joseph. They told his dad that a critter ate him or something, you know. And uh, where's where's Joseph? Oh, uh, he got eaten by a lion or something. And of course, they lied. What they done is they were so ticked at him, they sold him off into slavery. So now it's Joseph. He's a slave, and uh, uh, winds up in the house of a man serving him and his family. And uh, he's rising to the top as best as he can as a servant, being faithful. In Potiphar's house Uh, and in the midst of a difficult situation we read where Potiphar's wife starts hitting on Joseph because he was quite the cutie boy and uh, he runs away trying to get away from her she gets mad and then she claims that he tried to rape her you know boom so he gets arrested and thrown into prison now he hasn't done anything wrong at this point I mean his life bites right his brothers sell him off into slavery, he's a slave. Now he's off into prison, and he finds himself in a dungeon. Now, this is not Brown County lockup, okay? This is not some modern-day facility like we'll be going to with Jimmy Bratcher. This is prison, dungeon, 6,000 years ago. This is horrible. The circumstances are terrible. Everything is icky and, uh, and horrifying, and that's where he finds himself. And even there... He never gives up, gives up hope that God is fighting for him and will turn his circumstances around. And a lot of times, you know, we think, Gee, you know, God can't turn my circumstances around. It's so bad. It's so horrible. You know, Pastor, I know you, you believe in miracles, but you haven't met my in-laws. They're coming over and it's going to be horrible. It's just terrible. God can't do things. I'm telling you, God can turn your circumstance around. A lot of times, we have faith for other people. I believe God will turn your thing, but he can't turn mine. My life is a mess. I am in so deep. There is no way I can get out of this. I want you to know, God is not overwhelmed by looking at your circumstances. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, myself, nothing I can do. You know? He can turn your circumstance around. Here Joseph is uh, in this prison. God has given him the ability to interpret people's dreams. And people hear about it up the chain. And Pharaoh has this dream. He's freaked out. Nobody knows what it means. And then he overhears about this guy and Joseph. says, Go get him. And in the morning, they pull him out of this prison. He's in the dungeon. In the morning, your life stinks. It's horrible. For years, you've been in this horrible circumstance thinking maybe it'll never change. That morning, they pull him out of the dungeon. They get him all cleaned up, bring him to the king. He interprets the dream. And by that evening, he is the most powerful man in the world, second only to Pharaoh himself, surrounded by riches, comfort, blessings. And he brings all this liberty and freedom to his own people in a day. The guy wakes up in a dungeon cell and by the end of the day is second only to Pharaoh himself. One of the most richest, powerful people in the world at that time. Wow. We all often talk about the story of Moses. We love the story of Moses. I mean, his people, they're in slavery for 400 years. He goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, I ain't letting them go. You're crazy. It's a free labor, man. He's got all these slaves. Life is good. And Moses said, you better let him go. And Pharaoh said, you're crazy. And Moses started bringing one plague after another plague after another. Finally, Pharaoh relents and says, okay, go. Get out of here. And we celebrate how this man came as a hero to his people. Well, I love the story of David. What a great story, huh? His dad sends David to the front lines, there's a battle. Well, supposed to be a battle. They're not really doing anything. The Bible says every day, the Israelites would line up on one hill and the Philistines would line up on the other hill and they'd yell at each other and they'd all break for lunch and wait and do it again the next day. Nobody was doing anything. They just kept yelling at each other because it was a perfect standoff. No one had the advantage and they didn't know what to do. The only one advantage was they had this gigantic behemoth of a man by the name of Goliath. And Goliath would come out and he'd curse at the other Israelis. he say, hey, why don't you just send one guy out and whoever wins, we'll call it a day. Well, easy for him to say. He's a huge guy. Nobody can begin to confront such a man. But even with Goliath, it still was a standoff. And this goes on week after week after week. Getting up every day. Oh, you know, they're done. And they do it again the next day. Well... Dad sends David, says, Why don't you go to the front lines and check out your brother? Bring him some cheese. He's from Wisconsin or something. So he brings him some cheese and he gets there and says, How you guys doing? Well, we're waiting this thing out. And David sees Goliath come out and makes this threat Why don't you go in your car and send some man? And David says, I, I, I'll do it. I can take him. Well, of course, his brothers are irritated. Again, with the brothers, you know, <laughs> you idiot, shut up. You can't do anything. <laughs> I can take him. So he goes to Saul, the king and says, King Saul, I can take him. Saul says, Man, you are crazy. You are a young kid. This guy has been a fighting man from his youth. He is a monster and well equipped in the arts of war. And David persisted. Finally, Saul said, Okay. Now, I don't know what Saul was thinking. No way was Saul thinking, Yeah, he's going to take Goliath. He's got to figure this kid's going to go out and just get chopped to pieces. Maybe he thought, maybe if they all watch this kid get sliced to pieces by this guy, it will inspire everybody else to at least go attack finally. So they send David out there, this ruddy little guy. And he comes out there. And when Goliath sees him, he is enraged. He is so insulted. How could you send this punk kid out to meet me? pieces. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air, he says. So he comes out with all his war, and David just, <laughs> he takes a sling, zack, hits him right in the forehead and knocks him out. David gets up, cuts off his head, and holds up the head. And all the guys go, yay! They finally run and attack, and the Philistines, ah! They ran, and they had a great, it was a great day. Uh, unless you're Goliath, it was a bad day for you, but uh, great day for the good guys. This young kid comes out of nowhere, becomes the hero of the day. We all love the idea of the hero. I love reading the book of Judges about Samson. You know, we hear the story of Samson. Now, the Bible says that this guy was, the spirit of God would come upon him, and he was incredibly strong. Now, it doesn't say what he looked like. Whenever you look at the movies, you know, of Samson, it's always this yo mama dude, you know, with like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know. (laughs) But the Bible does. I'm pretty sure that if he would have been like that, the Bible would have said it. Because the Bible oftentimes if somebody or something unusually visual about him. The Bible would tell, you know, you know, like David, he had fiery red hair. I didn't know if you know that David was a little redhead running around, you know, and uh, fear of the redhead. But, uh, (laughs) she's my sweetie. But, uh, uh, you know, they would have said, it doesn't say he was a big yo mama dude. He could have looked like me. (laughs) There's nothing unusual. All they know is that when the Spirit of God would come on this guy, he was unstoppable. One of the greatest accounts is one time a band of Philistine soldiers sees there's a thousand guys and they see Samson. There he is, let's get him. So a thousand, now these guys are not girly men. They are killing machines. They've been trained to do this all their life. The Philistines were brutal. These guys were familiar with combat and war and they rush on this one singular guy and the Bible says Samson has nothing to defend himself. He looks down and he grabs out of the dirt the jawbone of a donkey. That's his weapon and he faces these thousand men. Now I hope they TiVo'd this thing because I've got to see this in heaven. I would love to see the instant replay on this battle <laughs> because the Bible says Samson beat the whole lot of them, killed the whole lot. Now how do you do that? We got some serious kung fu happening because I'm sure they weren't coming one at a time. You know, Larry, it's your turn. You know, oh, that's right, Bob, you're up. Come on, let's go. You know, you know <laughs> we're taking tickets. You know, we're number five. Who's number five? I'm sure they came all on at one time trying to, and this guy in the midst of a thousand men kills the whole lot of them with a the jawbone of a donkey. Wow. We love these stories, right? There's the hero, and we read about the hero, we hear about the hero, something else goes, yes. But one need not be a student of the Bible to see this picture of a hero play out. This is something that's hardwired in all of mankind. You know, almost all the stories throughout history are about some guy who is the hero, who, under amazing circumstances, overwhelming odds, steps forward and saves the day. Why? There's something hardwired in us that says there is a hero, one that would save us all. We see this in movies it in the old days, classic westerns you know, the hero would come in riding on his white horse wearing a white hat shooting guns with white handles, flashing his white smile yeah. all in this dirty area I don't know, how did this guy stay so clean? I don't know how they pulled this off but we have, here comes the hero yay, oh thank you even modern day shows, we love these guys who come against overwhelming odds. We all cheered for Rocky Balboa as he faced the impossible and triumphed. And then he faced it again, then <laughs> he faced it again. <laughs> How many Rocky movies were there? <laughs> Too many, <laughs> like seriously, new theme, you know. You know, he's doing another one. It's not Rocky though, he's something else. He's like this geezer now fighting. He still looks good, though. Holy moly. In my wildest dreams. (laughs) Seven years old. Speaking of Stallone, what guy did not delight to see John Rambo? A man of very few words, which is why guys loved the movie. There are no soliloquies while he blathered about. La, 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 la. he talked it all the whole movie. And Rambo would go in and save the day and beat all the bad guys and slithering around. And... I think the coolest shot in the whole movie is when the camera comes in on that mud wall. It just looks like a mud wall until he opens his eyes. You could just do eyeballs in the middle of all that, like, whoo! that's so cool. Even our sci-fi movies have this hero. We watch in amazement to see if Neo was truly the one who would defeat the Matrix. Talk about a Messiah movie. Speaks of prophecies. Even... Neo, in the end, overcomes death itself and brings deliverance to all. Who does that sound like? Star Wars had its Messiah. A little twisted, to say the least. Darth Vader. <laughs> he was the one the prophets spoke about. is it interesting? So many of these movies talk about the prophecies of the one that would come and then save everyone. What does that sound like? People who write these things are not people who read the Bible. Why does this theme constantly pop up in movies? There's something hardwired in all of us that screams about the one. Vader comes in, he's going to bring balance back to the universe. He's born, If, by the way, if you pay attention to the story, his mother had never been with a man. Who does that sound like? Is he born without a father? Yeah, exactly. He's dramatic. He's powerful. Of course, it turns out he was a homicidal maniac. (laughs) A little problem there, but he eventually is... His heart is turned back by his son, Luke, and he defeats the emperor and gives up his life in doing so. Who does that sound like? We're all delighted in the Lord of the Rings trilogies. The hope of Middle Earth rested on a little hobbit. Guys love movies that show heroes. Gladiator, y'all see that one's It's a good, movie. good man movie. <laughs> Here you got Maximus, the great general, and he's betrayed. Who does that sound like? And then he's sold into slavery. And he has to fight for his life in the Colosseums of Rome. course, there was that little weasel emperor, Commodus, who, he was the one who killed his father and killed Maximus' family, and Maximus had to go running. So Commodus is watching this great, you know, gladiator fighting, and he's winning constantly, and saying, like, who is this guy? And he's so impressed, so one day after a big victory, Commodus comes to Maximus, and he doesn't know it's Maximus. He says, tell us, gladiator, what is your name? Of course, Maximus just turns his back on him, starts walking away, and just the little weasel emperor gets really angry. He says, how dare you show your back to me? Slave, you will remove your helmet and tell me your name. And there's that cool moment when very slowly Maximus turns towards the emperor lifts his helmet off his head, revealing at last who he truly was. And speaking in confident tones, he addresses Commodus. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my revenge. It's like, oh, so cool. Why do we delight in such moments? Because there's something hardwired in the heart of every man, woman, and child that speaks of a Savior, a Redeemer, a hero. It is actually what Christmas is all about. You see, Christmas is about celebrating the coming of the Savior. Sometimes people say, you Christians talk about being saved. What does that mean to be saved? Well, think about it. What does it mean to be saved? If one is pulled from a burning building, they are considered saved. A person who is rescued from drowning is considered saved. If a special forces team drops in and frees you from being held hostage, you're considered saved. So what does Jesus save us from? And the answer very simply is Sin. This sin that was entered into mankind back in the Garden of Eden. It's the dark side within all of us, a part of our human nature. The Bible says we're born into sin. It's called original sin. Now, some people debate to that, that there's not automatic sin in people. Clearly, they've never had children. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't that? Those little pudgy-faced little angels, you know. First word they learn is, no! The second one is, mine! Mine, 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 no, no! Mine, 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 Now, you didn't teach them that. I hope you didn't teach them that. (laughs) And you could have the most loving, giving, sacrificial family on earth. And that little rug rider will think, mine! What is that? That's that sinful nature that is in the heart of every man, woman, and child. It's the dark side within us. It's the sin that causes us to be so selfish. The sin that causes us to hurt others. The sin that causes us to turn away from the needy so we can stay focused on ourselves because it's mine, 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 mine. Sin is what fuels greed. It fuels lust. It drives people into addictive behaviors that destroys them hurts and wounds others, it's the power of sin. And most importantly, it is what separates us from God. Now, we've all been born into the world sinners. The sin that was introduced way back in the Garden of Eden. Now, Jesus came to save us from sin. He was the Messiah, the Savior God promised that would crush the head of the serpent. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Well, remember the story. An angel comes to a young woman by the name of Mary, announces that she would give birth to the Savior. She says, let it be done unto me according to your word. And it all starts. Now, I've said many times before, the Bible, despite what some claim, is not a collection of stories. If it's a collection of stories, these guys bite. They're the worst storytellers on earth because they never give you any details. I want details. What happened? They don't tell you the details. What happened? Mary comes on, she's pregnant. How do you explain that to mom and dad? I mean, what was going on? They don't tell you anything. Just the smarts that are necessary for us to know. We do know, it freaked out, Joseph. He was engaged to Mary. Nobody was buying the angel told me story. Angel, Angel Rodriguez. Is that, that guy you're talking about over there? You know, stay away from those Rodriguez boys, I told you. Joseph wants to get rid of her, break off the engagement. The Bible says, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from sins. But you know, you can't save a person who doesn't want to be saved. You can't save a person from a burning building who refuses to leave the building. You can't rescue a drowning man if he will not let you pull him to safety. It's difficult to rescue someone from captors who refuses to leave the captors. At some point, the victim has to reach out and take the hand of the Savior. Where are you at this Christmas as we celebrate this glorious miracle? Have you reached out to this glorious Savior who was ready and willing to lift you out of the destructive power of sin? Or do you refuse to be saved? Because that after all is why he came. That is why he was born on this earth. That is why we celebrate Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. Even from the very beginning, when mankind turned away from you, you immediately spoke of he who would come to crush the head of the serpent. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for this wonderful miracle that we celebrate this time of year. This wonderful miracle of the coming of the Savior, the Redeemer, the ultimate hero. And help each and every one who's listening to my voice today, whether in our churches or online or on television, help them to realize that they cannot be saved if they refuse to be saved. Help them to reach out to Jesus and allow him to pull them out of darkness into his glorious light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.